welcome. This is To a Degree, the post-secondary success podcast from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. To a Degree is about the changing face of higher education. We focus on innovative efforts underway across the country to provide every student with the opportunity to earn a college credential. Our conversations explore promising solutions and innovative policies that offer a high-quality and affordable post-secondary experience for all students. Visit toadegree.com to learn more. And now, on to the program. Joining us for the second segment of our conversation about the impact of the midterm elections are Danette Howard, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at the Lumina Foundation, and Elaine Maimon, President of Governor State University in Illinois. Danette and Elaine, thank you for joining us for To a Degree. So let's jump right to the conversation. Danette, what issues may dominate the public conversation about higher ed as we look to 2019? We know some issues will be with us, affordability, tuition, federal financial aid. We have the Higher Ed Reauthorization Act that's been lingering for a while. What's your take about what may also be part of this? Governance, admissions because of the Harvard case, athletics, Title IX, alternative credentialing. What's your sense? Well, thanks for having me on today. I think that as conversations about the future of work continue to dominate uh, many discussions and forums, we're going to have to contend with the question of what kinds of skills and experience learners will need to be successful not only for today, but for tomorrow and for jobs that might not even be available right now. So in order to respond to those discussions, I think we have to continue to make broadening access to post-secondary education uh, a high priority, as well as ensuring that students can be successful if they decide to pursue uh, a certificate or a degree or another credential. I think that we're also going to have to contend with the ever-changing nature of our student population. We know that many students are the first in their families to pursue a degree. Uh, We know that uh, many more students who are African-American, American Indian, and Latino are enrolling in higher education. And so what sorts of uh, supports are necessary to ensure that learners of all sorts are successful? Another issue is uh, many schools are in danger of quite frankly shutting their doors. We've seen a number of closures and mergers uh, just in the last two years and I believe that that's going to be an ongoing trend unless we support institutions in changing their business models which will also mean uh, changing the types of students or broadening the types of students that they recruit and intend to enroll. I'll stop there. All right, then you've you've given me a lot to work with. I want to touch on a couple of those issues as I turn to Elaine. So, Elaine, let's let's start with demographics and credentialing, if we may. I mean, Illinois is certainly a state that's experienced shifting, changing demographics, both in terms of the age of the population and the ethnicity of of the cohorts that are coming into post-secondary education. Uh, Illinois has been on a bungee cord with state funding that affects the kind of infrastructure and support that Danette's talking about. Talk with us about these and related issues, if you would, please, Elaine. Yeah, yes. Thank you, Casey. And I'm also delighted to be part of this conversation. I think that what Danette has brought to our attention, uh, it's not simply an Illinois issue. We're talking about a new majority of students in the United States. And that new majority is made up of first-generation 
students of color, adults, and veterans. That's the, these students have always been with us. We've underserved them, but now they make up the majority of students, and we have lots of worry about the diminishing number of high school graduates and how that's going to affect higher ed. And what has to happen for all of us across the country is to recognize that this new majority is the future of the United States. So I completely agree on that point. And also, Danette mentioned that we have to make sure that as we educate this new majority, that we look at the future of work. And that means that every uh, higher education institution has to be thinking about careers, the jobs of tomorrow, uh, not that first job, which could disappear by the time the student is prepared for it, but to make sure that students have these larger critical thinking compa capacities so that they can be prepared for the fast-moving 21st century. And then the third part of what you've asked, Casey, has to do with the fact that uh, all of this takes investment. For those of us in, at public universities, it means that states have to be ready to invest in the future of their state through investing in the new majority of students. I want to push on this new majority just very quickly before we go into other topics. Isn't it the case that depending on how you cut the numbers and the data, there are really two new majorities? There's one version of the new majority that's based on age. Traditional college age students, 18 to 22, represent a fifth at best of the headcount or a fourth of the headcount in higher education. There's a second cut of the data that, that again goes back to Danette's points and your point as well, Elaine, about students of color, first generation, low income, that they too represent a different way of defining new majority. In each instance, the needs of these populations of these students are going to be very different. Danette? Yes, I, I think that you've made a good point. And just to build off of some of the things that Elaine said, um, you know, this new majority of students, we call them today's students, certainly are comprised of more adults, more students of color and first generation and low income students. But these students have been a part of the higher education and post-secondary landscape for quite some time. But we now understand that in order to uh, meet the ambitious goals that many states have set in terms of overall attainment, in order to make sure that we as a nation have the talent that we need in order to uh, fuel our economic uh, system, our labor market, that we need to make sure that more individuals from these communities and from all communities have the opportunity to develop the skills, training, and expertise they need to land those jobs of tomorrow. And so it's just uh, providing more focus that these students are going to be a part of our learning environment uh, in ways that perhaps they haven't showed up before. And we've got to provide a different level of focus and attention for these students in ways that we haven't before. And Elaine, quickly to you about the issue of the two new majorities, again, that would suggest different kinds of resources and support services for each of these groups as a campus president, as a campus leader, as you look at what goes on in your state and beyond. What's your take on, on the two major, new majority issue? 
Well, I think there's an overlap among the different groups. I, I wouldn't say that uh, there are two distinct new majorities. And at Governor State University, where I'm president, uh, we're coming to our 50th anniversary in 2019. And we have been serving uh, this group of students from our origins. And we've expanded into having additionally more traditional age students. So we've always been working to serve these students. And I think the problem with uh, the uh, issues of adult students, uh, they have left left higher education often with a bad experience. Uh, we have to find them. We have to get them back. Once we get them here, I think some of the reforms in teaching and learning that we are uh, making sure happen here at Governor State are also going to be beneficial to uh, also the traditional age students and to the first generation students and the veterans and the other parts of the new majority. So I think that there is a kind of unity in the kinds of things we have to do. All right, great. I want to touch on a couple of issues that are sort of shadows of the past that remain with us as we look to the new year. The first of these is public confidence. We've seen a series of polls that suggest falling public confidence in uh, higher education, both as an institution, as, as entities, and in terms of the role that higher ed plays in preparing students of all ages for the labor market and for the future. Danielle, let me offer you an opportunity to comment on this first, and then we'll go to Elaine. Public confidence? So you're right. The the surveys and some of the data suggests that the general public does have some doubts about whether or not the investment necessary in order to earn a college degree is worthwhile. Um, I would say that there is still overwhelming data that suggests that when you earn that degree, when you earn that certificate or certification, it's certainly well worth the cost. The issue is that many Americans have have attempted credentials and haven't actually walked across the graduation stage. So when you uh, put forth your own money and effort and resources, and for whatever reason you have not been successful, but oftentimes are still left saddled with the debt based upon that attempt, then yes, you might be jaded. And I think that that is influencing this overall public perception. I think that polls and data that continue to emphasize the rising costs of college, the rising costs of tuition, also undergird uh, that lack of public confidence. And we do have to address the rising costs of college. And the way to addressing that is not simply by increasing financial aid, but we have to get a handle on the true costs of credentials of all sorts. Certainly, we know that there is an investment needed for bachelor's degrees, but that investment is different if a person wants a high-quality certificate or certification or associate's degree. And of course, degrees at different places, credentials at different places require a different kind of investment. Danielle, I'm going to interrupt at this point. We're going to come back to tuition in a moment. I want to give Elaine an opportunity to talk about public confidence. Elaine, you're a college president. You're a university president. You talk with your peers who deal with public confidence, whether it's in the legislature, in your local communities, all the time. What can, what must you and your colleagues do to help rebuild public confidence? 
Yes, I think that the narrative about higher education it really has to be changed. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the board of the American Council of Education, and I'm very proud of the efforts that ACE is making in that regard, because what we see now is uh, media and uh, play up uh, the uh, high costs. You're going to run your family into debt. You're going to ruin everybody's life if you spend the money to go to college. And uh, those stats that are used uh, have lots of for-profit institutions thrown in there where the students have not really been served well. They have medical schools thrown in there. There, there hasn't been a disaggregation of the data. I think that uh, the Gates Foundation having us talk about these issues, and I hope lots of people go to the website and listen to it, that helps. We really have to change the narrative and help uh, families understand that uh, we in higher education, and certainly at the public comprehensives, we want to help families with financial literacy. If they come to us, if, if we can guide them, if we can let them know some basic things, for example, that you have to fill out the FAFSA form and you have to fill it out early. And it's not all that hard if you just import your income tax information. And you, we also have to get the message out that uh, by uh, doing so, you're going to receive money that you don't have to pay back. Even something that fundamental is not understood. And so all, those of us who are college presidents, we have to be out there. We have to be talking to the media. We have to be making speeches at Rotary. We have to be making sure that we get this larger message out. Danette and Elaine, as we close, let's look forward. What should we be watching for the year that begins in January? Again, we've got shifts in state legislatures. We've got some shifts in, in the federal level. Are there people who may have an outsized impact on education? Uh, what about the role of innovation? We Very quickly, what's your take about sort of key issues for 2019? Elaine? Well, I think that this changing the narrative is very important. I think getting the message across that uh, for the future of the United States, for our democracy, not only do we have to prepare students for fulfilling careers, uh, but also for citizenship. That was one of the original purposes of public higher education in this country. That was the, the title of the 1948 Truman Report, Amer American Higher Education for Citizenship, along the promoting citizenship. Danette, again, I'm going to ask you to be quick as I asked Elaine, as you look to 2019, issues, topics, priorities. Well, I mentioned this in my opening comment, but I think that it's something that we really need to pay attention to, and that's around the number of colleges and universities that are closing or emerging because they are no longer financially viable or sustainable. And what happens to all of the students who perhaps have been enrolling in those institutions that are often in the middle of the country or in rural areas, and they no longer have uh, any place to pursue their education? Actually, Donette, I'm going to interrupt you on that one because I think this one needs a little more depth. I've looked at those data. The vast majority of those closures over the last two years have been private for profits. And I don't think there's much in the way of tears on the part of the, the leadership of the public sector and the private nonprofit sector about those closures. There's obviously been some issues about finances for those students, the quality of the education they've received, but private nonprofit institutions, while there's been a little bit of, of uh, shake up, if you will, and certainly not much, a little bit of merger among some publics, that's been quite small compared to the private nonprofits. Why, why so much focus on, on the closure then? Well, I'm actually not referring to the private for-profits that close um, without warning. I'm referring to many small 
private, not-for-profit institutions that have closed recently or on the verge of closing. If you look at Cheney University in Pennsylvania, the oldest historically black college and university in the nation. It's in a very precarious position right now and I think is illustrative of other small institutions, many that have enrollments of less than 1,000 students. Uh, there have been articles in Inside Higher Ed over the course of the last year that also speak to um, a number of Roman Catholic institutions that have closed over uh, the last uh, couple of years. And uh, I would put them in a different category than the private for-profit institutions. And so this is a conversation that is happening and that we certainly need to pay attention to because if we're keeping learners at the center, we have to consider um, what happens to those individuals when their institution, which might be the only one in the area and in which they may have invested a significant amount of time and money, um, has to shut down. Great. All right. I want to thank you both. Danette Howard, Senior Vice President at the Lumina Foundation, and Elaine Mammon, President of Governor's State University, for the conversation about looking forward into policies, priorities, people, key issues for 2019. Thank you for joining us for To A Degree. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of To A Degree, the post-secondary success podcast from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues and visit our website at toadegree.com. To A Degree is produced by G2Ed. Jenny Goldstein and Casey Green are the executive producers. 